Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 134. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, uh, good to be back. It's Monday night and we're going to talk about the Essendon v Melbourne game. Tough game, uh, definitely had... Uh, plenty of opportunities to win the game, but we'll we'll discuss that at length. Yep. Um, look, B, I always thought, what do we start off with with this game? And and we're going to talk a lot about the game and why, what we could have done to to win the game. And there's plenty of that conversation yeah. to be had. Uh, but we're going to do something a little bit different that we don't normally do, and and it's not something that's in our nature, but. I don't think you can go past this game without mentioning the, the umpiring. Enormous um, yellow-coloured elephant <laughs> in the room with a whistle in his hand. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, it was probably the most animated myself and Grant were at the, <laughs> were at, at a ground for a long time. Uh, and it's because it, the game meant so much. Like, this was... We were in it. We were really in it. And these stupid calls, the really amateur hour obvious blatant calls really affected us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got a hindy blatant trip. You've got the 50-metre penalty to Perkins, the, the original 50-metre penalty, uh, before Devin Smith opened up his mouth, which is another story in itself. But, the, the you know, I watched that Archie Perkins one again. He absolutely did nothing wrong. He's basically just ran up to the mark. Uh, and I know he's come past the player, but there's no one around and there's no other way to get to the mark. And, and yeah, other than doing a 25-metre circle around him and, <laughs> and then going on the mark. And it just has to be common sense. Uh, you've got Waller. I reckon Waller did two of the most amazing tackles. He did um, Waller tackles, yep. Uh, you have Petrarca getting tackled, going around on a 360 and trying to get rid of the ball and then eventually tries to get rid of it and drops the ball. Everyone stops still. The whole crowd goes, well, that's Stop. obviously a free. Every player stops still. Uh, and then no call. Um, you have another one with Waller with a crucial point of the game. I think it was like nine or 10 point game with about six minutes to go. Um, and he, you know, the guy drops the ball cold, 30 meters out in front of goal, which Waller would kick every day of the week, uh, which would be a three point game. So it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about what we did wrong as a, as a club. And there were plenty. And there was plenty, but. You know, it did have, you know, there was some momentum killers in this game and, and the umpiring just was not up to a professional standard. And I, and I personally think, and people might think this is a silly idea, but, you know, after that, Devin Smith and, and, and obviously a lot of the players were upset at the umpiring. It, it almost seemed like since that incident halfway through the game where that happened, uh, it felt like the umpiring for the next 30 minutes almost got a, like an emotion level. Like it was almost like they were a little bit peed off at us. And, uh, you know, I told Grant five minutes into the third quarter, hey, we've, we've only got three free kicks here. Like mm. uh, that's a lot of football. With, it's with, it's yeah, ridiculous. And it didn't feel like, you know, one side was dirtier than the other or, or attacking less than the other. They were both going in hard and we just could not. There were plenty of the, free kick. plenty of the free kicks that were there. Like we, we we made some mistakes, and that's fine. We made we made mistakes, and they got free kicks. That's fine. But the really really obvious ones, the ones that um, Sammy Newman said it ages ago, there's two things in AFL football that hasn't improved: goal kicking and umpiring. And the standard of umpiring, they're all wonderful professional people, and they're all these good things you can say about them. But geez, man, when when 
you, you see an absolute howler like it was in a forward pocket where Wallace um, tackled Petrarca or everybody did it, and he spun the dude 360 degrees, which I, which I thought was supposed to be part of it. You get slung 360 and you don't get rid of the ball, then that's holding the ball. But then when you when you you can see Petrarca, he's looking for a handball, looking for a handball, looking for a handball, doesn't see one, thinks, oh, crap, we're going to sink a boot into it, misses the ball completely, and it drops at his feet, and yeah. everybody just stops. That level of howler, bloody awful decision inside 50, where Waller just would have, he would have been 90%, he would have kicked that, which would have given us more momentum. So the howler decisions that they made is just unacceptable. And then you know the AFL will come out and say exactly nothing about it. They will move on oh, like nothing and, and happened. And like the club won't either. I mean, that's no. just reality. Clubs go. And the problem is... You know, I kind of semi-half agree with the, you know, they asked the coach and you could tell he was a little bit frustrated and, but he had to say, look, problem is we've got Geelong in six days. I, you know, I can't. Yeah, he can't say anything. I can't sit here and complain and, and obsess about it. It, it. You know, they can't change the rule back. Um, no, and the game's done. The uh, umpire's never going to um, change a decision. That's why Dev Smith was so disappointing for me. The umpire's never, in the 150 years of AFL football, no umpire's gone, oh, really, Dev? Oh, are you serious? Oh, Dev, no. Yeah, hey, no, no, come on back. Yeah, Dev's right. I made a mistake. Nobody's done that in the history of AFL football, right? No umpire ever. So I agree with you. They, the, the club can't say anything, but the AFL is just going to move on to next week because the hub and the COVID and the everything, they'll just bypass the fact that there was an absolute stinker of a game from the umpires, and it really affected our chances in that game. It's really yeah. disappointing. Uh, look, and I have no problem with a president or something, you know, behind the scenes having a chat to the AFL going, you know, you know at some point we're going to start... Sh- teaching our guys your interpretations of these yeah. rules because we're obviously getting it wrong because uh, we thought dropping the ball was dropping the ball. Um, and it's not a nuanced thing. That no, wasn't one it, of those nuancy little bloody did he run up on the mark, did he get in the area of protection or whatever the crap they say. But this one was dropping the ball, man. That's like it's about as obvious as it gets. Like it's the, Yeah, swinging a guy around 360 without getting rid of it and then finally trying to get rid of it and then dropping it. That's, at your feet. That's, that's prior opportunity. That's everything, man. And every player thought so because they stopped. And that when yeah. you see that, I don't care if, you've, if you're if you an umpire and you run in there and you think, no, let's play on. If you see every single player in the ground stop dead still, then reverse your decision. So, yeah. So, look, that's our early rant. You'll not, you're No, it's not. I'm going to keep going. The umpires <laughs> are crap. No, just kidding. <laughs> so we probably do that once a year. Uh, we're not – look, I'm just not a major umpire basher, to be honest. It's not my nature. Because it does um, no good. It, it genuinely does no uh, but good. But it, it did it, – it was so overwhelming, the feeling at the ground, uh, well, was for me anyway, that I felt like, no, I've got to say something this time because it, it was just so overwhelming. But here's the other part too. There was also another overwhelming uh, emotion that uh, we were discussing with Grant when we were driving on the way home and uh, and that we kind of blew it as well. Uh, and, you Absolutely. know, <laughs> we've had 12 more turnovers. Uh, there's one interesting stat I read today um, said that our, with the 50 inside 50s that we had, our efficiency rating was just 38% yeah, of our inside 50s. There you go. And that's and they said basically that's a full 10% down on the uh, season average yeah. for Essendon. So we had, you know, 17 inside 50s in the last quarter for two goals. Outside of that umpiring, 
there's so much stuff that we could have controlled that actually could have won that game quite almost comfortably by, yeah. by three or four goals if we had just had composure and used the ball well. So it wasn't a grand – there's kind of like it's in two parts, right? There's a part where it's the effort and attitude. You go, bang, A, love it. We're doing it every week. I'm loving it. Yep. There's the back six, which we'll talk about, yeah. which was the best it's ever been. And then it's the the mid to forward group, and they just could not have a connection, and it's it's cost us the game in the end. Uh, yeah. That's and that's just reality. And uh, you can't have that many inside fifties and just butcher the ball that many times, uh, and just give uh, Lever and May just the biggest birthday presents. I think they had eighteen intercepts, which was a season high for them both um, combined, and we just. If there was a rule book on how not to play Melbourne, yeah. we played it to absolutely perfection. And um, but, but again, on, yeah. on the flip side, the the defense was great. If if there was a way to play Melbourne, the, the defense did really well. Yeah, yeah, right? it was the, the two opposite. Really the, well, yeah. The two end of the grounds was so opposite. Yeah, and in we'll, we'll how probably, they approached it. Yeah, we'll probably do that after the break. We'll come back and we'll and we'll do like um, we'll, we'll run through the the back line because we'll do the we'll do the positives. Backline was great, and then we'll go into the, the forward line into a bit more detail. So we'll come back after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, the back six, Scotty. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's good to go a little bit positive to start off with, right? Um, we, look, it's just to give you some um, idea of what we saw, uh, obviously with the 25,000 crowd, Everyone got tickets, but everyone got tickets scattered right all over the place. So, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I did the funny thing. I, I booked Grant, uh, tickets for me and Grant, and said, "Oh, we'll, we'll end up. Go- well, let's let's go. Let's see if we can get tickets." I must have been. I didn't even look at the tickets. I just went, "Oh yeah, we'll sit somewhere. Great. We've got something. Yeah, we've got something." And I and then we get up to the ground. And then we're basically walking down to the cheer squad. I go, are we in the cheer squad? Like the yesterday <laughs> cheer squad? And we, and we sat, I reckon, about seven rows behind the right-hand uh, goalpost right next to the cheer squad. And so, one, it was the funnest time being next to the cheer squad. So everyone in the cheer squad, uh, love your work. Bravo to you guys and girls. Uh, to the guy who yelled out to the umpire, I hope you get the Astra. AstraZeneca jab. <laughs> jab. No, that wasn't to the umpire. That was actually to uh, Bailey Fritz. Oh, that was Bailey, Bailey Fritz. Fritz. Because Fritz yes. was being a little turd. <laughs> I hope you get the AstraZeneca After me, that's right. After he did hide you into the goalpost. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's, so, that was uh, gold. Yeah. yeah. There was some, uh, I, I missed that kind of magic gold. So uh, yep. I felt like I was a little bit on the outer Windy Hill wing for a uh, back for in my 80s. Second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so look, we loved it down there. Love the cheer squad. Um, so, but what, for us, we normally sit at the bottom of the level three. We just like the aerial view. We like it yeah. tactically and See watch the whole it. game. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, it was nice and refreshing because it gave us a different view. So you obviously see your defense for two quarters and you see your forwards up for two close. quarters. Right up close. up close. And it gave me a whole idea, you know, a whole different view about how we're, how we're structured and what am I looking at. And look, to talk about that back six, it was just such a pleasure to watch that back six work, talk to each other, support each other. And I thought 
that was by far the best I've seen a back six play for Essendon. Agree. For years, to be honest. Oh, mate, Dyson Heppel was Dyson Heppel again, mate. He was all over the shop. I mean, Hepps had, what did he have? He had a heap of it. 26 disposals at 100%. 26, 10 marks, man. 10 marks at 100% across half back. That's excellent. You could see every time they scored or every time there was a lull in proceedings, Heppel was talking to the other back five. Um, he was the dead set, the, the general down there, and telling them this, telling them that. You could see a lot of heads nodding and the like. Um but then there's, I mean, we, we're going to get to the obvious player in a minute, but um, Jimmy Stewart, that's the best game of footy I've seen him play down there, and he is taking very large, confident steps forward as a defender. Yeah, well, the best thing about Jimmy Stewart is that last week we said that's the best game we've seen him play down there, and yeah. this week it's the best game we've seen him. So he was, he was leading players to the ball. He was, he's a big, strong boy. That is a big unit of a kid, right? And he was... He was backing himself a bit more too. He was, he to was, go and get he was, it. He was proactive to go and get yeah. it. He was actually a bit Stephen May-like in some ways. He yeah. backed himself in his own judgment, which it, is something Laverde has really brought to the defence. Absolutely. How, how he, backs, he backs his own marking and yeah, positioning. I think that's a touch of the forwards about him. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's a, they see the ball and they go, oh, I've got this guy on my hip here. If I just give him a nudge, I can go and mark that bloody thing as opposed to just the golden fist every time. But, yeah, credit to Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, real credit to Truck in how, you know, we've discussed it before about Truck is very hands-on with these tall guys uh, and he's basically the development coach. He's not. I know he's a senior coach, but yeah. he's, he really is that back six development coach, especially for the tools. And he's what I saw the whole preseason and how he just methodically just drill after drill. This and he, had was, a, he was leaning on and, and the too. improvement of of Laverde and Stewart. And, I mean, it goes a big credit to Truck, but a credit to the to the guys as well. Laverde and it's got to be a massive credit to Laverde and Stewart who've embraced these two roles in a big way. And geez, there's there's defense. Defense is not easy, man. And especially because we were because you were so close. And if you get the opportunity, guys, go and spend it. If you can see a little, I mean, I don't the lunchtime catch up podcast does not um, endorse going and changing your seats at the uh, ground. Um, but if you if you spy a couple of spare seats on the ground level, go and spend a quarter down there and watch how big, strong, and fast the whole thing goes when you're down there right next to them. Because when you're up high, you see the aerial view, and what you don't hear is the bodies slapping into each other and how quickly, once you've made that mark or you've the ball's hit the deck and Jimmy's going to bend down to pick it up, how quickly you've got to get a handball out of there or yeah. you get hammered. Um, if you were wearing a... Um, if you're wearing a Melbourne jumper, apparently you could do bloody 360 pirouettes and drop the ball and still doesn't matter. But if you're an Essendon player, you have to get rid of the ball real quick. But yeah. Jimmy Jimmy was great. He had that great mix of strength to go one-on-one -on -one when the ball was jump, was dumped in. He was on a lead. He was taking the, the lead off the player, off the forward and taking marks. So yeah. really big, big fan of his. But... Uh, but just a quick one, just sorry. Yeah. I, I gave a big plaudits to Truck... Um, but I should obviously give respect to Daniel Giancioccusa, who was assistant coach of the year, brought into us this year, and they said, you're going to look after the defence. And, and it looks like it, right? And he, It looks it. He's currently assistant of the year again in my books. Yeah. Uh, he looks with, it because he's taken two dudes that have never played down there and Dyson, who hasn't played ever down there. Like Dyson, you could pick. Would the be rookie, yeah, yeah, he right? played, yeah, yeah. But you've taken three blokes down there and Redders and, and those guys and, and Hindy who never played down there for, or he did ages ago, but he's just come into the club. He's grabbed like four blokes or five blokes and turned them into a cohesive unit yeah. in half a year. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. Actually. Yeah, it's that's quite it's amazing. a huge and again that's that's good old fashioned talent. Um, but then again, you have to mention um, Ridley. I uh, I don't know that there are enough good words to say about that bloke. He's excuse me. He is that was a that was a weird little burp. Um, he is a. Uh, <laughs> It's going to make Scotty laugh. He is a consummate professional in year number what? Three? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, four. three or four. Yeah. Consummate professional in year number three and four. And dead set should be in the all. If he's done get an all Australian side again this year, then it'll be an absolute miracle. Um, but his his calmness, his skill level, and his decision making decision making is just elite down there. And when you've got 28 possessions, 89% efficiency. The man is just, he's perfect down there. Like I hear a lot of people say, oh, we could move Rids onto a wing or put him in a midfield because he's so good by foot. No, no, Rids, Rids is a natural down there. So you leave him down there and just let him do what he does. He's He is an outstanding footballer. I thought to um, Redmond on Pickett, uh, I, I you know when I saw him line up, I went oh, sure. yeah. But gee, Pickett was not a big factor in this game at no. all. Uh, no. and and Redman, uh, I mean he's having a fantastic year. So, um, yeah, you could go through the whole back six. I mean, poor Hindy got shoved into a post, which was a uh, a little bit strange. That it wasn't there hasn't been much talk about it, but I'll let it slide. But um, yeah. uh, yes, but you look, it, it's just been a fantastic. Laverde was strong. Uh, we've only given up what sixty odd points, sixty eight uh, points, sixty eight points uh, to Melbourne. So they have every right to have a look at the, the midfield and forward group, and going, "Well, we actually gave the score for you guys to win this comfortably." And you said this on the way home. You went, "Geez, man, if you if you if you'd said before the game the D's are only going to score sixty eight points, you'd go, well, we'll win that.'" Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll win that. We won't win it by ten goals, but we'll probably score seventy five to eighty at least. Yeah, and, and that's how it is, right? It's, it's like the more you look at this game, uh, it, you know, when you watch it again, you more than realise how many opportunities we had to win this game. Absolutely. And, I mean, the terrible part with Richmond losing and GWS losing going, and if we won, we'll be eighth, and we'd be like, oh. Where are we now? Eleventh. Uh, so oh, really? It's a big turnaround game. Damn. It's the, 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 the two parallels of uh, of this game. It, I, I actually felt like this was a really crucial big game. And Hawthorne um, pulled one out of nowhere to I beat know. GWS. So, I mean, obviously with both of them losing it, it kind of helps a little bit because they're, they're still only a game or so ahead. Yeah. Um, and we've got a very good run home. But, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. If, let's go into quickly into the midfield group. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the BOG probably of the ground, Zachy Merritt. Yep. Uh, 41's just getting it done. That is just getting it done. And eight tackles, if you don't mind, 78%. It's just there's nothing more you can do as a midfielder. That's about as good as it and gets. And he's had 26 pressure acts as well, so yeah. he's working his butt off. I thought he was one of the few, and it didn't come off every time, but I thought he was one of the few that consistently tried to lower his eyes and see if there was a short-up pass that, rather than bombing it. And Melbourne, they sent everybody back into our forward line. Like there was no room for people to move down there. Um, they they deliberately had a whole – they had half their players in, um, uh, in, our, back, um, in our back half – and it just it clogged things up in there. So the kicks, and it's a smart thing to do. The kicks, um, they didn't meet their targets a lot of the time. But to be quite frank, the targets, the, the kicks into our forward line went directly to Melbourne players. Yeah, it, 
In some ways, it was a it was a whole view of where we are in the competition. We've got the effort. We've got we've we've kind of got like if you if you want to have five ticks off of the year of being a really good club, we probably started with the year with none, uh, and we've kind of probably gained three or, or four, and we're just Melbourne. Uh, just a much more composed and that critical moment, you know, guys uh, like Petrarca and, and, and that just saw the play, saw things unfolding, just didn't panic, used a little chip kick 20 metres to yeah. a guy 40 yards out, kicked the goal. Uh, and just that little composure and class just was the difference in the side. And that's where obviously the second youngest side that was named this weekend. So it, it, that's a little bit of the product of what you get, yep. um, you know, you know, I'll give an example, and I do this as a genuine compliment. You know, Archie Perkins, right? Um, kind of like I had a good game but and, and also didn't. Um, so he, he got a lot of the ball. I thought he positioned himself really, really well. Gets out of traffic really, really well. Yep. In, in, um, uh, but his next growth, like some of the other kids, and this is, and this is please trust me, don't, this is not a negative because I'm just acknowledging that they're 18 years old. And yeah. This is just where they probably should be, especially not playing last year. When you have that development in you and you're just going, no, nah, we're going to play the 18-year-old kids and fast-track the development, you're going to have that kind of turnover decision-making just not up to scratch yet. And, yet. Uh, and Archie, yet lo- is a good word. Archie generally looks like that kind of play in two years' time is going to snap into a completely different groove and go, I get it now, and then use the ball very, very well. Because I think his technique is really, really good. Yep. Just at the moment, like him, uh, sometimes Hammy, a few other, just a little bit, the occasion got to him or just kicked it long quickly without sort of overly looking or seeing what's the best option. And that's kind of where we're at. That's what I mean by where there's when we are the second youngest side, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing those kind of mistakes from young kids who we want to develop. The exciting part is when they do develop, you are seeing a side taking it right up to the ladder leader. Two, two goals, man. Under and two pro- goals. Yeah, and under two goals. So it's this weird compliment of acknowledging where the side's at but also understanding where they're going to be. Um, so, and look, Parrish again, man. He is 37. He's he's uh, 37 uh, possessions. He's just... What a what a breakout year! I, I did a um, I did a poll on Twitter uh, about who 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 to you so far is the most uh, improved player at Essendon, uh, and I'll give you a live update. So we have we have nine hundred eighty four votes so far. Nice. Um, uh, Parish at sixty seven percent, Laverde twenty nine percent, Redmond three percent, which is probably around about yeah. I would say that's that's yeah. close to it. So. Um, so yeah, it's Parrish is just having the just a he we we discussed this uh, myself and Grant. Parrish is having such a good year that the Dunkley talk is probably getting negated a little bit. Yeah, I, I we I said on the way home, I was I was a fan of the Dunkley idea, I really was. I thought we had Sheil and Merritt and Parrish was a half decent player before he went berserk and Caldwell and those guys, I thought we had skill around Dunkley to be up for him to be able to use his big body and get the ball. Now, with Parrish doing what he's doing and Merritt doing what he's doing and with with Shield to come back in and Caldwell, who's despite his baby face, is an in and under kind of bloke oh, as yeah, well. Oh, he's yeah, a, he's a ball getter and a clearance yeah. player too. Um, despite his baby face, we've got enough blokes who can get the ball now. What we need now, and Scotty, Scotty said it and I, I agree now, what we need is skill. 
We need more Bit players polish. Yeah. with polish. Yeah, with skill, yeah, skill's not the right word. Polish is the word, right? So the guys that can hit the lace-out pass and not make the mistakes that we made because it's – I think Truck, when he sits down with Gia and those guys and, and says, right, what, what happened, um, boys? What, what happened in that game? I reckon it's a it's it's a it's a loss. We didn't we weren't honestly thinking about that we were going to beat Melbourne by five goals, right? But that was a full strength Melbourne side. They they had they had um we were watching the, I mean, yeah, the twos. Yeah, VFL. I mean, you're watching Melksham and, and Jetta and, and Jones and all these guys Wiedemann running and yeah ben running Brown around and, in the twos. Yeah. Um, and I'm, the, the, I bet you that it would have been an easy one, especially for Gia and especially for um. Have we figured out who's in the forward line coach yet? We haven't figured that out. Um, that's cool, but the, the, it's an easy one. They would have said forward entries into 50. It's a really – it would be an easy thing to learn in that, sure, we didn't we, – we slipped back into a little bit of the last year and the year before about it where we just crossed our body and we bonded in long. But if you, if you tightened that up a little bit and we were more like the game before where Stringer was hit um, at high 50 with, with snap passes from, from Zach and that, then – that game could have gone a significantly different direction. So the, the forward entries into 50 and the back line was fine. The mids got 18 million position, uh, possessions. It was just what we did with it when we got it. So, And I think the other, the other component too, when we maybe talk specifically about the forwards, but the midfield was very, very good and it remains very, very good at the moment. So, um, yeah, more than happy with, um, with Parrish and, and Merritt in the midfield. No, and it might be it might be Dan Jordan actually, our Ford coach. Um, we should know that, but I'll, I I feel like I I do know that, but yeah, but because um, I'm sure Carousel is ball movement and Dan Jordan's forward and G's, oh, tell G's, us on G's the uh, Facebook page. Tell us who's the uh, um, the club's forward coach. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one um, with regarding the polish. It, it's no doubt something that we need. Um, Oh, I had a brain fade then. Sorry about that. Don't you hate it? I polish. Hate it. Uh, remember me and you, South Croydon <laughs> Footy Club, plenty of polish. But uh, look, it, it's it's something I don't know if we're going to go draft or trade and that'll be interesting because I... Because uh, we've got a couple of bucks, don't we? Like yeah. We've, we've got a couple of bucks like we've in got the a bank. got a bit in the salary cap to, yeah. to spend, uh, which is interesting. Um, even with the signing of Merritt, because it doesn't sound like Merritt was as, as expensive... Overly it, it, nasty about it. No. Yeah. It sounds like he was... Um, his contract was pretty reasonable, to be honest. Um, so yeah, we'll see where Stringer goes because I think he wants to be more. Uh, ja- yeah, Jakey's Jake, <laughs> pay Jakey. Jakey wants to get paid, baby. <laughs> so, look, uh, how do you want to do it? Do you want to go to a break or do yeah, you want to talk we'll, about the? Def- no, the we'll go, go for a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the forward line because I think there's there's a lot to say in this one. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, the forwards. Yeah. The forwards. Yeah, so look, this is probably the most concern I'd been out of the game. Uh, so like I said, when we're watching the defence up close, we obviously then watched the forwards. For work a couple of quarters, yeah. For a couple of quarters up close. And I was really watching to see how they operated. Um, it wasn't, you know, I'm going to be very honest because that's all I can be. I, I, people say, don't be negative. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying uh, this is what I observed. Honest Scotty, they call him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> never heard that one, but yeah. <laughs> but 
I was my main concern was during the game. One, I didn't feel like the forwards were communicating at all. Um, Explain that. Just well, just not talking to each other how each other could help or support each other. I didn't feel like. Because there was lots of huddles. There was lots of huddles. There was lots of Harry Patton hooker on the back and lots of that sort of stuff. But what do you mean by communicating? Well, I, I think just you know situations where Hammy had it 70 metres out or Waterman had it 60 metres out. I was watching our forwards and no one was like saying, you know, you go there or you go there or we'll spread. Or the, they didn't it seem to... prior knowledge. There wasn't any prior knowledge. Yeah, they it. didn't seem to know how what to actually do. Or there was no system or or, or plan in place, uh, and even more concerning, you know, there was no one, you know, selfishly or unselfishly, sorry, blocking for each other yeah. or doing screens for each other to get a guy open. Uh, and this is May and Lever, uh, who are just going. This is the best. This is the best situation we've ever been because this forward line's not functioning at all. Not hardly. Communicating, not blocking, not screening. All we have to do is just stand here. Uh, and they're yeah. actually kicking it to us to our advantage. Directly to us. Uh, so it was, you know, I won't lie and say it was quite frustrating to watch. And and it did show me in that area of the ground, we've still got quite a bit to go. I think we've got individual brains, which is definitely what's been winning us some games with Stringer and, and um, you know, with when it comes to Jones, just freakish contested yep. marks. It's you know that's what's been happening. Waller crumbing and doing some amazing goals, but it did feel like oh man, we're still got another preseason of developing sophisticated systems. Because when I watch West Coast, right, uh, I see Darling definitely and, and Kennedy talking to each other. You see Darling move across do a heavy screen on Kennedy's opponent. Kennedy's opponent runs around. He has a five-minute gap and he's on the lead and they kick it to him. Um, and that's kind of the operational, you know, it's very like an NBA kind of screen. craft. Yeah, forward craft. forward craft. There was none of that. You know, for the two quarters I watched right in front of my eyes and I was watching very closely, there was not one essence of that. And that was concerning and I hope the club can address that because – that's going to take us to another level. Like there were so many, <laughs> I, I felt so um, comforted at the, weirdly at the end of this going, I can't believe when I look at the scoreboard and see so much improvement from this side and what and how hard it was to beat us on just, you know, on just so many things we can just clean up. Uh, and one, one of them's just experience. So I get that. Mm. Um, but it, it did kind of leave me like, oh, man, we've got some coaching to do, no doubt. Um, and if I'm the forward coach, uh, you know, I hope, you know, I'm assuming they have a lot of vision because it, did, it just didn't seem to work at all. And they, they all were leading to the, you know, ended up being chaotic in the last quarter. They were all went bunched up together. It ended up being Wright or Draper or Hook. Hooksy or Jones, and they're all hanging around each other. And I'm like, I'm wanting to yell out, guys, spread, do you know? And, and May and Lever are just loving it. And they're just like, well, this is. May, May just sat there and went, well, Lever's right next to me, so that's great. Yeah, all if, I've got to do is if, lean on Hooker. If if six of us all go up for the mark, yeah. no one's going to mark it. No, uh, and, and I, was, I sort of said to the Patreons yesterday, there's like, you could watch it. There's a lot of big boys in that forward line, man. Like the Peter two-meter Peter is, um, he's a very, very large unit. 
and Stephen May is no shrinking violet and Lever's big and Harry Jones and Hooksy and all that sort of stuff. And I think I wonder if the, the midfield, when they do look to kick it inside fifty, they see Peter next to Hooksy, next to Harry, and they think, oh, there's like three of they them. They kick all. it long. They'll okay. kick it long yeah. into them, right? But when you do that, you've got those three blokes, plus their opposition three. You've got four or 500 kilos worth of dudes <laughs> all jumping up in the air trying to get a ball. And unless somebody can come across the front and take a miracle mark and some incredible individual effort and take a miracle mark, Lay, Lay and Beaver, no... May and Lever. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> there it is. Um, they, they play in the reserves. Um, May and Lever just ate that for breakfast, man, because they're proactive like Laverde and um, and uh, Jimmy Stewart is. They and were going to get the ball the second it came off their boot. And why it doesn't suit us too? Because we're a team that likes to drag a half forward up to the midfield and have an extra person around the contest. So if Oliver breaks free... Uh, and, and it works sometimes, by the way, that tactics, because, you know, when we do do it, like the second half, we, we, we actually did smash them quite a bit. And clearance, yeah. clearances, we had op- opportunities to score and we blew it. But as a result of that, if, if you have a half four that goes up to the midfield, then you're naturally, Melbourne's got one extra in the defence. So if, if you're just bombing it long, Who's at who's at the bottom of these packs? So there's more Melbourne guys. Absolutely, and it's so. just, there's just too many dudes inside fifty when everybody's going for the ball. Because okay, your big your big tools all go for the ball, and you've got six massive units smashing into each other, and the ball hits the ground. But in the period of time when the ball has left Hammy's boot, right at sixty, um, he's the the smalls are coming around towards the pack as well and then there's like 8 10 blokes within 25 30 meters of each other and no one's got let alone Waller's got any room to move but if and I was, I noticed it a couple of times because May was so dominant and he's a big scary looking unit as well if Hooksy ran in the opposite direction for one, like the ball was coming in because Wrighty and Harry Jones were heading sort of on a 45 degree angle from the goal square out towards the um uh, the punt road sort of side of the ground. And what if what if Hooksy decided to go decoy, not run towards the exchange, to the interchange bench, but just run up the middle of the 50 while the other guys went on the forward, on the 45, may he be wondering what to do and that period of time where he didn't know to go left or to go with Hooksy, Hooksy could be open and the other guys are going to be having one less big unit down to do it. So... It did feel like it, it required someone on May or Lever to be have, a, have an unselfish role yeah. for the greater good of the team yeah. to to pull one of those guys out of in yep. and make him follow him. But uh, it just well, didn't happen. It, it was it was um, yeah. It, it's something I hope they uh, hope the club address. But uh, breaking news, breaking news. I just put the question out there on the Facebook page. Um, Jonathan Morphew, um, thank you, mate. Dan Jordan. Um, Dan Jordan is it the is uh, forward okay. line cordon, uh, forward line coach, and Dean Marsham. Thank you very much um, for answering that quick Facebook question whilst we're filming. <laughs> no, no. So Dan has a bit ahead, bit of ahead of him um, uh, to get that right because what I saw was not. I didn't think AFL standard as far as uh, uh, as far as um, systems and 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 guys knowing. It was what to so do. obvious. It, it was really obvious. It was really obvious. Like the. It wasn't just the midfield butchering the ball. It was it was the first time I went. Actually, the midfield's looking up, and there's not much actually happening in, with the forwards either. Like mm. it was, it was, it felt like 
both parties were a little bit at fault. Um, and May and Lee were just licking their lips at that. Like there was the one with Waterman and there was like that really bad turnover. Like he's turned around 60 metres out and no one moved. Like all the three forwards were just all to, next to each other. And then Waterman ends up having a bad kick. Now he should have kicked it at least to those guys. So it was mm. a bad kick. But but there's still a point where, well, what are you forwards? What are you running? Like what are you – Who can someone block for someone? Can we get right open? Can we get Jonesy on the lead? If, if right, can you stand in front of Jones' opponent while he's on the lead and, yeah. and block him and so if Stephen gets some space? And it's and fixable, though. One, one good thing about oh yeah, it is it's, it's, it's fixable. It's a very fixable system. Yeah. Because when when Harry Jones does go one-on-one and when Peter Wright did go get some one-on-one action um, or not a dude climbing over his head, they look good down there. That We've got the marking. Yeah, yeah Peter and, and, and Wrighty and um, – Peter and Wrighty, that'll be Wrighty himself. I'm having a – I'm having a, just a great show tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy um, and Hooksy and those guys, they are entirely capable down there to be taking marks. We just, <laughs> we kicked it directly to Lever. Like I saw three times where it wasn't even like Lever was behind um, Jones going for the ball. Lever was just sort of hanging around in the middle trying to figure out where the ball was going to go. And then it's like, we saw him as an Essendon player and literally kicked it to the man. So um, that sort of stuff being able to fix up, I think, is is easy to do. But I agree with you. I hope it gets done quick because if that forward line was anything functioning like a West Coast one with Darling and – and again, we haven't had – Harry Jones hasn't That's had years much of experience time with him. With him yeah. no, too. So I get that, but it's but you can still block but, for an opposition uh, uh, guy. Like when I was looking at Hooksy mostly, I went, "Oh, Hooksy, you should know better." You, you know, what wh- what are we talking? What are we discussing? Like, uh, you know, because you know, when halftime hit, like, what does the group talk about? Because I I'm not seeing you come out, and I'm not seeing any system in place that's recognisable. But we'll move on. Look, I, I do want to give a shout out to Kyle Langford uh, as well because. Um, and we obviously often do sometimes on this show, but we, we love the man because he's he's, he's gone in, through hell and he's performing like he's he's like Parrish. He's flicked a switch. He's becoming that third and fourth best midfielder now, yeah. to, be, to be blunt. Uh, and he's got got. I'm not sure the stats. Another twenty nine or thirty or so, but um, twenty nine. Uh, and look, he's he's doing uh, his job every week, and, and and I'm loving his his um he's kicked like ten or so goals. So I'm loving his all-round game. Uh, he's becoming a marking outlet around the ground. Um, I think his kicking is getting a bit more solid. His decision-making is getting a bit more solid. So yep. uh, credit to him. A um, couple of guys I want to give a shout-out to. M. Guelphy. Yep, yep. Matt Guelphy. Just uh, – I like the bike. I really do. He tries real hard. You can put him anywhere on the ground and – he very rarely gets beaten or very rarely, very rarely has a bad game. So Matt Guelphie with 15 possessions, sure it's not like 80%, 15 possessions, not a massive game, but geez, you can just rely on him to do a mm. job in the game. And the other one that I want to uh, that I want to give a shout out to, because much maligned I see in the um, comments, is um, our man Maggie Thatcher. BCT, he, he gets unwarranted... Bad press, I think. I just think that they see Ridley down there and and Jimmy Stewart doing great things and and, and Dyson Heppel and stuff. And look, Brennan had one really bad error, right? One really bad error that hurt a lot, and I'll agree with that. But he did quite well, man. Like he's thirteen outside touches, of that, yeah, eighty four. Outside of that one, everybody makes a bad decision like that. I mean, like you don't, you don't. We're not 
piling into the midfielders who literally kicked it down the throat of May and Lever left and right. The man missed a handball, cost us a goal. That's not good enough, right? But Brandon Zerk Thatcher, there is not much else wrong with his game at the moment. Where he's come in for Francis in the games that he's played, he has been a great backup um, defender for us. So I want to give a shout-out to BZT because good effort from that boy to come in. And and it's a good point. And I also want to just do – it's not a shout-out because he didn't play well, but um, I I love the fact that Sam Draper gets to watch Maxi Gorn – Give him a bath. <laughs> do, do his – do I mean just do his craft at, at such an elite level, uh, and 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 this is why I love the development year, and this is why a guy who's so raw and Sammy Draper, and he's played what his eleventh game, he plays up against a genuine quality ruckman, um, and you know I I go away from those games not not concerned in the slightest because you want him to play against the best and you want him to learn against the best. And he would have a truckload of, of experience now, just having 120 minutes playing on Gorn, seeing how he went about it, seeing how his body positioned, seeing, you know, how he, you know, just how he either jumped the ball early or didn't jump the ball early or just, just all the different nuances that, that Maxi Gorn's so good at. Yep. Um, it's just a great lesson for Sammy. Uh, so I, I don't even like. I, I actually knew coming to the game. I know it sounds funny, but I went. Oh, Gorn is going to give Sammy a bit of a, yeah, a lesson of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even with Sammy's brilliant game last week, I, I just generally felt that I thought, you know, at some his rawness is going to catch out in that top four ruckman the, the bracket. Elite, elite ruckman yeah, like yeah. Maxi, who could be quite literally put at number one. You raw, I bet you Maxi Gorn would be looking at Sammy Draper's body going, and you. I wish I had that. Yeah. Man, <laughs> if I had that in my career, mate, I'd be unstoppable. But Sammy's the, he's the wise old veteran now. Is it's not Sammy, uh, Max Gorn. He's the wise old veteran now, man. He knows how to negate 105 kilos of raw enthusiasm in Sammy. He Sometimes Sammy beat him. Sometimes Sammy jumped and stood on his head because he's half his age and, and, and wildly athletic. But yeah, Max, Maxi he would have been smart enough to know that this kid, he knows he, he can jump, he can do stuff, but he doesn't quite know where to put himself 100% of the time yet. And I agree with you. I, I don't for a split second think that, that Sam had anything other than a good experience in that game because... Yeah, it's what I want. This is, this is you know, it, you know that there was an article that mentioned that, you know, the club are, are trying to get Jones and Perkins and Cox at least 15 games and Draper, if they could, uh, obviously the injury probably doesn't allow that, but... It, it really is pump as much experience into these guys and fast track their development and, and will be the better side much quicker than people think. Mm. Uh, and so that's, that's part of your development. You go against the best. Sometimes you're going to get a little bit towed up. It wasn't like an overly embarrassing, by the way, because we were still won the clearances and it wasn't like it was a major, you know, I know Gorn was well on top, but it, it didn't result in, you know, just Oliver, every, every clearance, every, you know, pretty much after quarter time we our clearances were, were quite strong so so it's it is what it is but it, it's great just getting these experience into Cox and I know Coxie played a quiet game again and he's played a few now but you know another game at the G another against top quality side I'm not you know to be honest I'm not that concerned like no. I, it, it's just it, it, I'm 
I know the roller coaster's going to come. Like, I, he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in two weeks again, he plays a blind and we go, oh, wow. We it, are overachieving, mate. Yeah, as, yeah. As a team, we're It's going to go up and down with, the, with these kids. And that's – but they're – what thing they do do, and even Cox in the last quarter I noticed, they don't quit though. They, they're going to no. try and, and – they, they, even with Archie. Archie was competing really hard tackling uh, – and, and they don't quit, and I'd rather that attitude any day of the week. So. Yeah, and with the kids, everybody, again, we, we say I say this, I think, most each week. Just everybody relax because it is a development year. We know this, right? We are overperforming as a club. It, we really are. Like Nick Cox has out of nowhere become almost favourite for the rising star, if not just number two behind um, Tom Green. And that's a great thing, man, because if he was drafted again today, if, if Eugle Hagen doesn't get on the park in a minute, I'm calling Nick Cox the number one draft pick out of that draft, right? Um, which is a great thing. Archie Perkins looks good, man. Whenever he touches the ball, he looks good. Reedy played another great game in, in defence. So we are well and truly developing. Nobody expects us yeah. to be in the top four this year. So now that we're sitting in 11th, everybody just just relax. Okay, we lost to and the have best a look, side. Have a look at the draft class. Because, I mean, Tom Green's obviously the, the, the year before draft. So have a look at the draft class. They're all up and down quite quite significantly. Because they're 18. And, but they all missed the year before. I yeah. mean, you can see what's happening. You can see that they're quite raw. They're, they're needing to be developed. It just so happens that our two guys, like with Archie and Cox, they probably just look at – They've been looking more like they're going to be a top five, top six players yes. out of that draft instead of sort of nine, eight or nine or ten. Yeah, I agree. Uh, which is fantastic. Um, so I think it's it's full steam ahead. And we saw Reedy in in the VFL yesterday. I think he took ten or eleven marks. He he no doubt has to put on muscle, but uh, he's going to be a good player as well. So we're in a pretty good spot. Um, yes. Yeah, so and that, that's why losing losing against the top team at full strength. By less than two goals, when we can put a dart right on the reason why we lost that game, and that is like, geez, man, if if the umpires were actually not wearing sunglasses all day and miss everything, and if we could tidy up our inside fifties, we win that. Evening. We win that game, man. So mm. that's that's incredible. We've beaten West Coast in West Coast. We've beaten um, Hawthorne in Tassie. We've done. We've we've had what the second highest. Uh, up, yeah, Tigers were up of fifteen minutes to go. Tigers were up of fifteen minutes. That was incredible. We've we've been on the road for the majority of this year so far, yes. and we've performed incredibly well. So, look, we Scotty and I, if you go back and listen to some of our older um, podcasts, and we're talking worst fault type years, you could we would you could see that there wasn't much spark in the club. There was no spark in the club. There was no game plan. There was no nothing, and that can really depress you as a as a um, as a as a fan and us doing the podcast. But man, whenever we lose, I, I look at Scotty and you look, we look at each other and go, "That's two goals against the best side, man." But we lost. Now, believe me, Truck wanted to win that game. Dyson Heppel wanted to win that oh, game. Players mate. were gutted. Yeah, they were gutted, right? So you look at him and you go, "Boys, that's the exact kind of attitude you want, man. You want to be gutted but to lose by two goals, but." Just between you and me in the fence post, it's great. You just got within two goals with Maxi Gorn being dominant, with Petrarca being a good um, player, Oliver, and with us just giving it to May and Lever. And and you mean the good thing is too that 
the season's not close to ending. I know it's no, it's twenty three rounds this year. It's we're still eight games to go. I know so, that's and and look, you look at who we've got coming up. I and mean, we've got the hardest, no doubt, the hardest game coming up this week, right? Geelong. Um, then you've got Adelaide at Marvel, North Melbourne at Marvel, GWS at Marvel, win Sy- win win, Sydney at Marvel, close. Then Bulldogs at Marvel. Eh. No, <laughs> eh. Gold Coast away, then Collingwood at the G. There, oh. There's some really winnable games with our form at the moment. Just looking forward to that Collingwood game. Just, so, to, just to put the final nail in Collingwood for the year, that'd be nice. Just, yes. Two in one year and, and put and the it, final nail. Gets us into eighth. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> um, so, look, there's plenty of football left and, and you know, there's plenty of winnable games. So, uh, look, we'll wrap it up there. We do have Geelong. What are your thoughts on Geelong? I, You know, if I've got my brain and heart all into one place. No one could go into this game saying we're favourites. That's a pretty obvious statement. Yeah. Uh, I think I just want the same comp- competitiveness. Just give me that same competitiveness and see what happens. I think the Cameron and um, and uh, the Tomahawk down there, problems. That's that's problems. But um, if we've, we're ever in a position where – you can throw some dudes at them like Jimmy and Ridley and and those guys are in really good form for those guys but they have support players around Danger and around Selwood and that's just like Guthrie and and all those dudes they they're a very good side i don't think they've played at their best this year Geelong i don't think they've played at their absolute best down in Geelong Oh, it's a tough assignment. No, yeah, it's, no doubt about it. It's a real tough it. assignment. Although, I mean, Josh Marnie did say that he felt Will Snelling will be available for the game. So that's okay. that's uh, a huge help. If that's he, a good in, yeah, it's a good in. And we haven't had injuries for the last two weeks, so it's it, you know we're gonna get we're getting a little bit of continuity. Yeah, and then you got Sheila and a few other guys probably a couple couple like, weeks after that. So okay, cool. But so, yeah, no, that's that's going to be a tough game. Um, but again, I mean. Again, everybody, everybody, chill. No one going, no, no player. I can assure you of that. And from us, the supporters, we're not going down there expecting a loss, right? We don't want to have a loss. But just everybody, remember, this is a development year. This is another. This is another game where Jimmy's going to learn real hard to play on a on a monster in um, in Hawkins. Tomahawk, right? Yeah, yeah. And probably Rids will get um, uh, Cameron, and it's just a learning experience for because. Again, don't forget, first-year coach, first-year assistant coach, and another first-year assistant coach, and a, a brand-new game plan. We're all learning every year. So I, this, I think it's the first time in the last 20-odd years where I've just been upbeat for every single game. And, you know, because also, too, we're not getting pumped. Like, we're not going to... No, they're, they're, there's pride in their performance. Big they're, time, they're, even they're, if they're losing. Yeah, we always said at the start of the year, I'll take clangers. I'll take t- yeah. I'll take clangers if if they come out and and play to win every week, uh, and you know they you know barring one or two maybe, um, it, they've been spot on every game where they've been, v- you know, another close game again. I mean that we've lost. We've had probably four or five now. Yeah, uh, where you know you feel like the result could have gone the other way. So no one wants to play us. I don't reckon. No, I don't, wouldn't there be many teams that would want to play Essendon because they keep coming after you. Mate, no, that till the fourth quarter. We're not easy to beat. We are no. not easy to beat. No matter which side, top side or yeah, not, we're exactly not easy right. to beat at the moment. So. Because Melbourne, Melbourne's got every gun in the world. They've got lots of talented players, and they're they're good. Good for Simon Goodwin. They're well coached, and they've got a bloke that 
a general in the middle of the ground in Max Gorn who just puts it down people's throats constantly, right? And he's got marks around the ground and he's just, he's a smart dude. So that's really, it's really important to remember that we were in front against Richmond, right? The benchmark at the moment with 10 minutes to go. And we almost beat the best team in the comp by two goals. And that wasn't because we were up by eight goals and then got overrun and, and bloody, they ended up beating us by 10 goals. We almost got them. We yep. almost got them. So nobody we wanted to play us at the moment, I can assure you of that. No, and look, just before we go, it's an interesting one for the coaches, right? Because the the May and, and Lever situation, you're actually going into that situation again in six days' time with Geelong's halfback. Yeah. So it'll be one thing I'll be interested to see is how much they've learned. And even if they can improve it by, and that sounds funny, by 10%. You know, they're not going to get, they're not going to just click and everything's going to be hitting targets. But I just want to see them address it a little bit and see if they can improve it slightly. Oh. Just about how they move the ball forward. Cause it would have to be. Geelong would be loving the way we played yeah. against Melbourne because yeah. that's, that's their setup as well. So because a big meter, test for the coaching group to yeah. say, hey guys, we're going to get up with the exact same situation again this week. How are we going to address it? How are we going to get around it? Yeah, because two meter Peter doesn't become two meters and dangerous when he's in a big pack. And Harry Jones, the poor bloke, he's still thin. He's got sticky hands, but he, he's not as effective when dudes are pounding him left and right. And Hooks, he's, he's doesn't get off the ground real high and he's, he, he's, he needs that stand and deliver kind of pass. If we can address that, then Parrish, all of that work, those 40 possessions and 28 from Langford and 29 from Parrish um, and 41 from Merritt, all of that extra effort in the midfield and getting it to Ham and the forward entries in 50 will be worth their weight in gold because we'll have that separation and the Geelong guys will be real worried about two-metre Peter's height. Yep. So thanks, everyone. Uh, uh, thanks again for your support for the show. You can catch us on uh, – you can see us on our Facebook group. Uh, we're doing a few more active things in our Facebook group. Uh, so thanks to – the hundreds of people that have been joining lately for, to the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, uh, you can catch us on the lunch lunch catch-up at Twitter. Yep. Or you can catch myself, Scooter McNeese, on Twitter. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram. Uh, and on the show, you can – look, we've just got a, a temporary situation with Spotify, and we're just trying to work out what that situation is that the show, for some reason um, – isn't loading uh, and we're just working with our host channel SoundCloud to work out why that's the case. So apologies for that. That's a bit of out of, out of our control. Um, it's definitely meant to be loading. So it's definitely, you can go to SoundCloud, you can go to iTunes and other formats um, and, and it'll, it'll all be there to listen to. So cool. Uh, thanks everyone. Thanks to our Patreons for all their support as well. Uh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash the lunchtime catch up. Come and check us out over at Patreon. We do two extra shows a week yeah. um, for three bucks minimum of three bucks a month. Um, we do some live shows. We can do some get togethers and the like. Um, so come and check us out at Patreon as well. Yeah. So, uh, big game against Geelong Friday night. Uh, I don't think I can get it to get to the ground at this nah, time with the limited so. tickets. So uh, it'll be myself and Grant watching from the couch. Yep. So we'll do an initial reaction for the Patreons after the game. Uh, as far as that, this is myself, Scott, signing off. And have a good week, Grant. You too. See you later.